We're rolling. What's up, everybody? What's up, everybody? I think I just said, but I meant to say, what's up, everybody? What's up? Um, episode 17 of Modern Guilt. We're coming off the back of episode 16.1, which threw a spanner in the works. Spanner, <laughs> I was about to say a spanner in the wrench. Um, having a real afternoon drive. Talking. Energy, so. Oh, yeah, we do. Like, uh, mildly, yeah. uh, like, over-relaxed. That's all good. Anyway. I'm assuming it might not be. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, is it? I don't know. Someone will tell us um, if it's not, I guess. So, I hope. yeah, post-debate is uh, a whole new world. It kind of feels like a long time ago, the debate. Yeah, I think you because know? the uh, Trump COVID news kind of just, like, quickly nudged that out of the conscience. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's really stolen the limelight. Not that I want to like jump into politics, but ah, do you we can jump into politics. This is going to be like a net good for him because he seems pretty healthy, uh, despite the thousand different fucking sources saying different things. I think it is going to be a net good for him. I kind of think everything that happens is a net good for him at the moment. Somehow, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, and it's also really weird. Like we said, you know, the Biden campaign is just so invisible and like week um i can't imagine they're gonna like take advantage of this in any way i feel like all of the upside is on the table for trump to seize as opposed to the other way around um you hinted or suggested in our chat that like trump could uh use this experimental medication or treatment rather or um like a trial vaccine heal himself and then emerge victorious and like fucking christ and then <laughs> um <laughs> announce the rollout of a vaccine or at least feasible medication that right. will somewhat defeat covid and i think like some uh some iteration of that story is actually really likely i think yeah. um, uh trump as the victor light is uh probably what we should expect yeah so my favorite conspiracy meme, whatever, um, kind of like, it's more, not a conspiracy. I don't, I don't really want to ever be associated with having a favorite meme, but like my, my, my favorite meme. Oh, so gross. Eh? No, it's great. It's I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, my favorite conspiracy of like the 2016 through to now um, thing is that the idea that Trump's playing 4D chess and he's always like like several moves ahead uh, yeah. no matter what's going on. And it's one of those things, it's like QAnon where there's like sort of like enough sprinkling of evidence around that it's like, oh, you know, like maybe there's like a 1% chance that it is actually happening, but probably not. And so what I was telling Hayden was uh, maybe this is a 4D chess move where he gave himself COVID in order to, um, you know, appear really really sick and he was alluding to the fact that there was a vaccine coming and that this is basically going to be his time to you know take an experimental drug and and walk out as you said as uh with all this newfound energy which kind of seems like it's happening like it's one of those things where it's like ah uh, 
you know, yeah. 40 chess. I guess I'll just explain for listeners as well. Um, when, what we talked about when we said there was a hint that a vaccine is on the way is that um, I'd say mm, maybe three to four weeks ago now, we'll have to fact check this and we'll link an article in the episode description. Trump and the CDC uh, told states that they had to be ready to distribute a vaccine um, by uh, at some date in November, which was like either just before or just after the election date, mm. Led, leading to speculation that some sort of vaccine was like near at hand or was possibly going to be rolled out as like some sort of sociopathic election stunt. Um, yeah. And yeah, it would be just uh, not that weird if this somehow tied into it because 2020 has shown us, if nothing else, that shit does get weird. So speaking of experimental treatment, though, I just bought <laughs> some uh, Regeneron stocks this morning. Did you? <laughs> yeah, oh, I did. Man. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah, I was quietly uh, yeah. pretty proud of myself for that one. Um, good man. Oh, yeah. right. Sick. Yeah, I, yeah, cool. Did they go up? Um, no, they didn't yet. go up on the news that he's taking their um their stock price went up at the during the outbreak mm. so their like main uh hike was around like march if i remember correctly um yeah. it went up like i don't know 25 30 percent or something like that um and it's just been kind of like you know floating up and down ever since yeah but i mean yeah i'm pretty happy to just see what happens with it all right Cool. Shit, so, I'm thinking about getting in there as well. Yeah, do it. It's it's great yeah. in here. The water's warm. <laughs> so like 40 chess master. Yeah. So Regeneron, um, just for the audience, is the name of the um, biomedical company which has developed the experimental treatment that Trump is receiving to treat COVID, um, which is it's some sort of like antibody cocktail which they yeah pump into you. It's um they released it to him. Uh, under some sort of uh, compassionate consideration exemption because it's not cleared for, you know, public use or whatever. Um, I'm not going to pretend I know about how, like, medical regulation works. But, yeah, so uh, I've also sold the uh, the rights to all of our intellectual property as modern guilt to buy those stocks. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> That's um, all good. It's yeah. going to pay off. It doesn't matter, well, you know. Yeah, we're um, going down in Regeneron coloured flames. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're going to be Regeneron sponsored soon. Oh, cool, cool. That would be pretty nice if we were. So <laughs> an- another <laughs> uh, little thing that I thought was quite weird from the last few days is that I watched like the most recent drop from All Gas, No Breaks. Have you seen that by any chance? I actually did see it today. I saw that Proud Boys one. Yeah, and yeah. And then I saw, um, because I was dicking around this morning, uh, I watched, like, the Portland one again. Um, the Portland one because... was really good. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I thought it was really funny following on from episode 16's discussion about, like, Russian information warfare that he stumbled across this, like, Russian woman in a grey suit just, like, at the Proud Boys rally. That was really um, weird, eh? And she's like, she's like, if Putin was here, he would hug you because your show is great. And it, he's kind of just like, sorry, what? Like, why is this yeah. woman at a Proud Boys rally talking about Vladimir Putin? So, like, I totally think he accidentally just, like, stumbled across, like, a Russian 
security like observer or whatever just like <laughs> on the ground just like sussing out the slow rot of you know um society and yeah. in the states uh, i bet there are so many russians in the united states who just like walk around just like looking at stuff and are like hmm yes the so experiment works well <laughs> yeah yeah they're just on the ground uh, making sure that it's all all crumbling to plan yeah um <laughs> Yeah, that was really bizarre. I found the whole thing really bizarre anyway, because I'm sort of like, you know, I don't really know what the fuck to make about the Proud Boys. I don't really know anything about them other than, like, Gavin McInnes started them. Um, but I don't really know much about him other than his contribution to Vice magazine. Ah, uh, oh, that guy, you know? right. No, he's, like, one of the original founders. Um, and he's, like, the creative director. And apparently when vice was more edgy and more like you know kind of like pushing the needle on a bunch of things that was like gavin mckinnis's uh influence on the magazine and then he left and it kind of turned into like whatever the fuck it is today which is you know pretty huh. i don't know i don't read vice i don't even know if it's good or not anymore it was kind of shitty last time i was watching it but yeah no vice is definitely the worst um yeah. it's, it's pretty whack but dude that's really fucking interesting yeah during his time at Vice, McInnes was called a leading figure in the New York hipster subculture. So there you go. You can see um, it because he's kind of like a edgy dude. Yeah, know? a bit of a contrarian maybe. Um, yeah. He became increasingly known for his far-right political views. He's the founder of the Proud Boys, a neo-fascist men's group classified as a general hate organization by the so Southern Poverty Law Center. I don't... Why are they classifying organizations? Uh, Southern Poverty Law Center do like a lot of that classification but they i'm pretty sure they classify like pepe as like a fucking hate symbol or something. yeah yeah so i, I wouldn't course. take that too seriously yeah you know it's like they're on that anti-defamation league tip yeah um, yeah man it's kind of like jokes ah! you know mm. so yeah dude Bail on that this is like <laughs> really encouraging uh vice was founded in 1994 man that's like so fucking old my first like encounter with vice was i reckon around like 2004 2005 i reckon when i was maybe like fuck i don't know 12 or 13 or some shit how do you did you enjoy it yeah i loved it um i used to like go to the like skate stores or to cosmic corner just to get vice like the free magazines mm. but yeah it's like it's really cool to know that they were kind of like somewhat obscure for like 10 years before they blew up Oh, fuck yeah. Um, yeah, I remember finding them, and I just thought, like, this is the coolest shit I've seen in so long. It's awesome. It's yeah. Like, this is, you know, like, punk news or some shit. It's, like, really challenging uh, traditional media and, like, what's possible and what you can publish. Mm. Um, yeah, know. punk news is a really good way to label it. Yeah, man. Well, Shane Smith was a fucking icon. Like, he was so cool, man. I remember when those videos start first started coming out of him going to, like... Uh, Ah, oh, where'd he go? He went, you know, the North Korea one was pretty iconic, but he also had another one where he goes and, like, like fucks some mannequin in a ch Japanese mannequin brothel and, like, you know, does another one where he goes and hangs out with uh, <laughs> this, like, cannibalistic general in... Um, yeah, that was next level. I remember that shit. Yeah, man, and it was so crazy, yeah. And, like, yeah, when you hear the backstory, the New York... I think it was the New York Times or maybe it was New York Post or someone. Someone did a big hit piece on Shane Smith where they're trying to take him down and calling him like bullshit of Shane. And the whole story just makes him even fucking cooler in my eyes. Um, Cause he is, uh, the rumor goes he was like selling drugs in Eastern Europe 
and then he came back to Canada and he was like a like a uh, chugger, like a charity mugger. You know, those people on the side <laughs> that sell yeah, charity. Right. Yeah. yeah. So he was one of those guys or like working for Greenpeace or something and just like like being a fucking, you know, piece of shit and getting wasted all the time. And then these like two ex heroin addicts uh wanted to start a magazine and someone was like, Oh, you gotta get in touch with Shane Smith. He's like this amazing salesman. And he just apparently like bullshitted how good Vice was and its audience to like successive rich people each time raising more and more money on, you know, Vice's worth and eventually selling it off to like, I think it was either Disney or Rupert Murdoch or, you know, someone like that for several billion dollars. Which, you know, and they're trying to be like, oh, he's such a bullshitter, you know, like, the entirety of Vice was built on bullshit. And it's like, no, it was built on based. Like, how fucking based is he? It just sounds yeah. awesome. <laughs> he, like, grifted yeah. a bunch of losers and wrote cool shit while doing it. That's the fucking dream, you know? Taking money from people who don't deserve it and redistributing it to yourself and others. Yourself, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, he's, like, his net worth is now... Two wow, one point two seven billion. Yeah, that's fucking insane, dude. Yeah, I know, man. Like, fuck, if that's mm. not the um, American dream, or you know, like any dream, then I don't know what is. Like, yeah. Do you think that um, that model, specifically with print media, is possible anymore? Because obviously, like, Vice was built on like those free magazines. I have okay, so. My time in the uh, world of bullshit tech and bullshit in general has shown me that anything's possible, man. Like, all you need is someone who's full of shit and overconfident. Um, You know, they don't even have to be full of shit. You just need someone with, like, obscene levels of ego. You know, like, the the classic example is people like Adam Newman, right? You know, the the guy that uh, made WeWork, which I'm pretty sure I talked about. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and his entire thing was selling subletting as a, um, you know, business model that, you know, as, as like a tech solution or something. Yeah, yeah. And he just managed to managed to obscure um, the very concept of subletting into a, you know, confusing series of words that were all very, like, uh, solution-oriented rental space market, which is $5 trillion. You know, we're, we're making solutions in it. Uh, and busting down the doors and blah 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 we're the change makers and um you know people picked up on that he was selling subletting you can sell anything man like you could come out with you know like dildos for dogs or some shit and make it like the new billion dollar fucking industry if you're confident and cocky because the fact of the matter is rich people have a lot less sense i think like and i'm talking like ultra 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 fucking rich people I don't think are very connected with reality. Like, I'm pretty sure they just have so much money now um, that they just say, okay, cool, this guy sounds legit. I'm going to put, you know, um, uh, $500 million across, like, 100 businesses, and one of them will make, like, you know, make me even richer than I am now, and most of them will fail. So I don't really give a shit. So they, they don't really even probably consider um, the ideas that are getting put in front of them. Yeah, shit is fucking dope. Um, yeah. I mean, I find Vice, like, inspiring for our purposes. Oh, yeah. 100%. I obviously, like, don't think it's fair to compare ourselves directly to Vice, but I find, like, Vice is definitely, I mean, since I've had taste <laughs> in stuff from the age yeah. of, like, whatever, 12, when you start to actually formulate an identity as a person, like, Vice is always been like on my radar is like shit that i enjoy and like would like to do stuff similar to 
Yeah. And I think it's like, I like the idea of, you know, just like borrowing ideas from Vice um, and like that kind of not, uh, that kind of arc of like success or whatever is fucking, is sick. That's why we need a, uh, need a sales person. Yeah, so we need some sort of like really of experienced listeners. growth specialist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we need a growth hacker. Some sort of industry insider who knows what he's doing. Yeah, so um, <laughs> gosh, reaching out to all you in the uh, on the other end of this who are listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, um, also, <laughs> by the way, I, I, I've started reading a, um, another really good book, um, Capital in the 21st Century by Thomas Piketty. Have you heard of that? Yeah, yeah, the, um, yeah. the crazy Frenchman, yeah. Is he crazy? No, he's like totally normal. And <laughs> yeah, he's right. He's sane, so you know. <laughs> yeah, I got the impression that he was fairly sane based on how yeah. um, like how much sense the book makes. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty level-headed. Yeah. Um. So this book is like an overview of um essentially capital and inequality in our current time. Um, built on a history of economic inequality since the turn of the industrial revolution, basically, mm. and. It sort of provides an overview of how the distribution of income is sort of divvied up between capital and labor and then provides like insights into how we could make like a more sort of like equitable or robust society moving forward. But anyway, I would recommend this book to anyone listening. It's very good. But I say that to say reading that made me uh, remember do you remember that tweet that like Elon Musk made recently where he called someone like a 21st century moron? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. That's so um, funny. Yeah, I will yeah. find this right now. Um, so this guy, um, Robert Reich, uh, said, Tesla forced all workers to take a 10% pay cut from mid-April until July. In the same period, Tesla stock skyrocketed and CEO Elon Musk's net worth quadrupled from $25 billion to over $100 billion. Musk is a modern-day robber baron. And Elon Musk responds, all Tesla workers get stock, so their compensation increased proportionately. You are a modern-day moron. (laughs) 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 So, like, basically what what he's getting at is that, like, anyone working for Tesla as well as obviously being paid their salary or whatever, receive stock so that like as they contribute to the success of the company, their dividends increase over time and blah, blah, blah. That's really fair and equitable. And I think it's just like a fucking awesome model for a company to follow. Um, I think it's like really just and fair. Well, it's really stupid that we don't do that more on this side of the ditch because like um, your salary should just be enough to tie you to over and the rest of your like compensation should be tied to the company that you're working for you know because then it's like it's a way more equitable model you know it's like Mm. you have direct stake in the company um as you should because you're part of it you know and you're growing it and it's like you get paid proportionally depending on how well it turns out there's like a there's a few like ownership models back in the day there was like worker collectives um collectively running a company so there's like no ceo it's just like a bunch of people terrible idea yeah, I mean, it worked some. There's a one, it was heralded as this like libertarian wet dream for some reason. It was like, no managers, everybody owns a stake in the company. And, uh, you know, and yeah. it's like the janitor has as much say as the fucking manager. 
uh, who doesn't exist. Who's just the? <laughs> I don't know. It's so yeah. confusing. I was like, I don't I know mean, how anything gets done here. But like, I bet that's really great. One percent of the time. Yeah, it'd probably be a pain in the ass. Honestly, like just having a couple shares is better than most of us mm. could ever have. You know, like, and it is a more equitable society. But whatever. Mm. Anyway, thinking about the Tesla situation. Yeah. I was thinking that um, we should um start giving people shares in modern guilt in exchange for their labor, but with no money. <laughs> I kind of like that idea. Eh? Uh, everybody, every listener has like a stake um, in, mm. in, uh, in modern guilt to grow it into a movement. Um, so you can all be like zealoted and, and whatnot. And we could, yeah, it's basically like mouth your, pos- but it's, it's your possession of a share in modern guilt is like a, a socket that we can like, pump propaganda into like fill you with ideas and yeah like turn people into like automatons that just act in our best interest yeah i mean people kind of turn into that anyway right like when you see like crazy rogan bros or um you know ultra allen degenerous fans i don't know i don't know what yeah are. that's a good point but, like, actually yeah yeah i haven't even met a rogan bro so i don't even know why i'm using that as an example but mm. um people you know like those fucking absolutely crazy people well q followers are probably the best example the people following the q conspiracy they're obsessed with q like you know they're rabid man they'll do anything and i guess i don't know what their fucking stake is that they haven't got shares but you know whatever <laughs> mm. yeah at least shares compensate people for their insanity <laughs> uh somewhat yeah. maybe but hey, what do I know? Um, so shout out Elon Musk. I think he would enjoy Absolutely. our podcast, by the way. Yeah, we'll, we'll we, um, sometime when we hit, uh, have a free hit slot. His, hit his DMs or something. <laughs> <laughs> so um, do you have a show and tell for this week? Yeah, so uh, I do. Um, as an introduction to our show and tell, you sent me a, um article and I can't pronounce the word. Panopticon? A panopticon yeah that's uh, it that's the one and so i was pretty interested in generally talking about this whole thing that i think a lot of people are probably familiar with it's been a subject of the pod and it's a subject of everyone's life and it may venture into the territory of people being sick of hearing about it soon i would say you know people are over it but so the panopticon was basically if i understand it correctly a prison um where the guards can see what prisoners are doing at any given time um, yeah, essentially. So, yeah. like, it was designed by Jeremy Bentham, who is, like, the founder of utilitarianism and, like, an English lawmaker uh, who was around in, like, the late 18th century uh, to the early 19th. So, for the listeners who aren't familiar already, utilitarianism is the sort of, like, the ethical idea or set of ideas that um, the morally correct action is the action that will generate the most good for the most amount of people so like a really crude utilitarian argument would be that if you were uh on a lifeboat or you had a ship that was sinking and there were you know you had a lifeboat that could hold 1000 kilograms worth of people and there was like some obese person that weighed 300 kilograms then you should sacrifice the life of that obese person so that you can fit three more people on who only weigh 100 kilograms yep the greatest good for the greatest number, right? Exactly. Yeah. So he devised the idea of the panopticon prison. Oh, 
Okay. So even though it's a pretty like dark concept, he did it with like everyone's best interests in mind. Um, <laughs> and so like that's always goes well. Yeah. <laughs> um, he did this in the context of like worsening social conditions being brought about by like the sort of early part of the industrial revolution. It was also kind of like in the Enlightenment era where people were starting to discuss ideas like freedom and how society can be ruled most fairly and stuff like that. So his idea for the Panopticon, Panopticon prison, now I'm fucking mispronouncing it, yeah. was that it would be like a, a circular design. So you can imagine uh, a ring of cell with windows all facing inward and then sort of an open space with a guard tower in the middle or a room and there would be either like small slits or like a, a one-way mirror so that the guards inside could remain invisible while having the possibility to watch all of the prisoners in the circle around them. Mm. So that like, even though it's physically impossible for the guards to watch all of the prisoner, prisoners at once, the prisoners know that at any time they could be being watched. So yeah. Like the design serves to like encourage people to self-regulate their behavior. So it's essentially like the the fear of surveillance um, weighs on your conscience the entire time mm. until you decide that it's just easier to do the quote right thing. And this idea was like supposedly moral or beneficial because it would um, mean guards wouldn't have to rely on stuff like capital punishment or harsher policing if people could just be gently encouraged yeah. through the fear of being watched. So yeah. anyway, I just wanted to outline that so that whatever you're about to say makes more sense. I'm going to just go on like a rambling um, thing here. Yeah, the, for sure. Uh, as like I don't normally. <laughs> <You know? laughs> hey, um, I'm going to stop you for one second though because I want to just get some water. All right, sweet. I'm going to grab some more coffee. Afternoon drive. All right, so I had to chuck in this little uh, edit in post because after our breaks to go and get a cold and hot beverage, respectively, I cleverly returned, sat down, and then started listening to Damon talk without hitting record again. So for this next little stretch until I realized to hit record, you're going to hear Damon talking to nobody um, and then I realize and hit go again. So maybe there's like, I don't know, three to five minutes of like nobody responding to him, <laughs> but it does not detract from his points. So enjoy that. So wandering conversation here. Um, when you told me about the Panopticon, Originally, I was thinking like, oh, okay, this is pretty relevant because, you know, Netflix brought out a new uh, movie called The Social Dilemma, and Mark Zuckerberg um, had been talking about this very, like, concept, which was pretty interesting to me at the time when he was talking about, like, how effectively having everyone using their real identities would be a force for moral good because everyone would all of a sudden have to act more morally because, you know, that's their face on the internet rather than just anonymous trolls where you could kind of call anyone you want, like anything and, you know, face no repercussions from any of it, um, which is the, the good old internet that I grew up with. <laughs> um, and yeah, so that to me was sort of like the digital panopticon, um, which I thought was going to be fascinating. So last night I set about doing some research 
um, I got pretty twisted and I figured I'd sit down and watch The Social Dilemma and, you know, really get my mind around it and everything. <laughs> um, and I've discovered since then that I think it's all bullshit, man. So I'm, because I'm not, it's, a, it's weird that I'm, I sort of feel like of two minds here that I legitimately think that there's like a problem with social media and that, um, you know, the idea of being surveilled all the time is real and it's uh, definitely, uh, you know, negative force in the world. And we're all terrified about the social credit system as soon as we start discovering it and like the general attitude of the bulk of the population towards the social credit system over in China, you know, and how like welcomed it is in a sense that it enforces like law and order. Um, but, you know, at the expense of fucking personality and freedom, um, which is a terrifying concept. But the way that these documentaries are being pushed forward, as well as I sent you a site called socialcooling.com um, that I'm also going to weave into this, is, is really bizarre because there's some perverse interests here. And this kind of goes back to another thing that I was talking about in the previous episode about Netflix's like weird propaganda campaigns um you know that they put out like every time one of these fucking viral viral and heavy air quotes you know docos come out and i think it's only fucking viral because they're putting it on the front page and most people are like you know yeah yeah they like turn on netflix like oh you know do i really want to go through it or do i just want to watch whatever they're trying to shove down my fucking throat this time um so anyway so i said about watching The Social Dilemma last night, and I was like, okay, this is going to be really good. Uh, I've seen it reported in a bunch of different newspapers, you know, under the sensationalist title, this is the documentary that's making Generation Z throw their phones away. And it's like, wow, must be a real one. <laughs> yeah, so it kicks off uh, with all these tech people. Um, and... I don't know what you, dear listener, will uh, imagine when I say that, but essentially what I what I mean by that is you imagine like sort of like a kind of a weedy, um, you know, nerdy, skinny, uh, overly optimistic and enthusiastic and like a like a well-wisher um, coming onto the screen being like, you know, I'm a former executive at Facebook. I'm a former engineer at Twitter, I'm a da 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 like, you know, they all hold, like, um, assumedly, uh, glamorous titles, but also, you know, who knows, because a lot of people in those companies just have bizarre titles that sound really impressive, but ultimately don't really do anything, um, and they all sit down, and the, the camera's on them, and they start talking about, like, uh, how they've created this thing that's like really really horrible and you know they got into it and it was like you, they were trying to do work on something that was a force for good and it was connecting people and bringing people together and blah 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 um and then it started the documentary moves on and starts going to detail about like how damaging social media is and uh, for all the reasons that we're all well aware of you know like it's um, causing division and uh, phone addiction. And, you know, this is all unintended consequences of um, this thing that was meant to be very good. So far, not so bad. Um, then we start to go downhill where they do these like really shitty cutscenes in the doco. And um, they cut to like, like this family of fuckwits that are obviously not related 
at all, like none of them. Um, which is, I, I don't know, there's one thing that like stood out to me, I was watching and I was like, okay, so there's like a, like a dad who's black and like the fucking mom's white and like they have like an Asian kid and then like a couple of white kids and it's just like, I'm, I'm sure this family is like, like why, I don't know, like what, what the fuck is the fucking point? And they're all, like none of them really seem like a family at all, like the, the kids just like fucking you know, all really obsessed with their phones and they're trying to drive home this narrative that like, you know, this well-connected family um, that are all really close to each other is getting ripped apart at the seams by social media. Um, so an example is like, they're all sitting down to dinner and then one of them who kind of looks like a, like a fucking, you know, poor version of uh, Hermione Granger or whatever, um is like, oh, maybe we should, like, not use our phones or whatever. And so they decide to, like, put their phones in a um, time lock thing, and you can't, like, get access to your phone for an hour. And then the little daughter, um, like, can't handle it, so she goes and, like, breaks the fucking time lock thing to get her phone out because she's such an addict. And, you know, and the family's like, oh, how weird. <laughs> So, I love also how they tried to like portray that as being just some like extreme act that had been brought about by social media, and it's just like yeah. this really mild kind of like commonplace family incident that just happens like every week in a home where yeah. you have teenagers. Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm trying to bring this all together to fucking really. I might just cut to the fucking point here um, instead of like continuing to ramble about it. So like. This is very obviously a product of, like, like white liberal guilt of, you know, it's these fuckwits who have, like, who feel guilty about doing reasonably well and being in a privileged position, who have gone to make this documentary on how they see the world, and it's all constructed in the way that they see the world, like, you know, oh, we've made these addicts, and they just, they need their phones, and, and the modern family is uh, getting torn apart, and they all would otherwise work together and it's just like man you guys are so off the fucking dial on like what is happening with the world anyway so the so the fucking doco progresses and continues to bring in these like experts in the field right and everyone's like oh professor at harvard or you know senior professor of psychology at stanford blah, blah, blah. and you know all of them look like the exact same hyper liberal uh who's just so fucking divorced from reality and like they sit them down there they're just sort of like using ai these big tech companies are able to manipulate your behavior on micro levels it's not about changing your mind but it's about influencing you on every single little decision that you make to the point that you're not even making your decisions anymore and it's like man this is so offensive you know this is just you're one just describing like advertising like it's just advertising has existed forever you know since fucking stone age cavemen have or any cave woman have <laughs> like wanted to influence like the fucking direction or choices of of you as a person you know um and i don't think it's anything new um and again i i fucking hate social media companies but like for different reasons than you know the nonsense that they're putting out um 
so anyway, they, they're just like blasting all this bullshit about how, you know, you're being influenced and manipulated by social media. And then they kind of like really get to the point that my conspiracy um, brain starts going off um, where they start like within this stupid family um, that are together for some reason, you know. Um, the son starts like getting radicalized cause he's on social media. Right. And he's like watching this character who's, uh, you know, on some fucking video talking about like, Oh, the government's, you know, against you and, and, uh, doesn't have your best interests in mind. And then he's like sort of glued to the screen and the Hermione Granger, um, you know, Emma Watson character or whatever, sort of like, you know, John, are you going to start participating in going back to soccer practice? And he's like, no, I just need to catch up on some news. Um, which, good on him. Like, soccer practice sucks. You know, I'd fucking do the same. Uh, <laughs> just, like, just consume some ISIS material instead. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so he's sitting there and he gets radicalized. And then they start bringing up all this, like, you know, oh, uh, like, you know, everyone's been manipulated by right-wing media. And, you know, no one would... Like, the whole notion of being skeptical of government is an entire, like, disinformation and, like, social media manipulation, and it could never happen otherwise. Um, it's sort of like the narrative that they're trying to push there. Um, and then the stupid plot, like, the fucking son goes to some rally and gets arrested for some nondescript reason for, like, being outside, you know, <laughs> um, and thrown in jail. So anyway, I didn't really get much out of the rest of the thing. I kind of, like, tuned out at that point and just pretty zoned and didn't really take anything else in this whole doco fucking sucks i tried to like figure out after though i was like okay none of this really felt right like this whole thing kind of seemed bullshit and like in uh like there, there was an underlying thing there that's trying to be pushed you know like i feel like there's some sort of conspiracy happening like why would why would this get made with such a fucking bizarre message so it turns out every single fucking tech idiot that they have in there is trying to sell an app that essentially like takes you off your phone. Are you fucking serious, dude? Yeah, man. Yeah. So this is the big thing. Oh that's my like, fucking here's the conspiracy. God. Here's the real conspiracy. Is that the uh, the fucking main dude? That redhead just, dude. Yeah. Yeah, that fuckwit. Like, um, he's like uh, trying to push his own narrative of some like you know, tech for good platform. And again, Ben, it's just these fucking assholes who have, who think that they have society's best intentions in mind and are making more apps that we don't need. Like there's this other guy who's trying to do, you know, a whole tech good for good thing. And he was like, I was the Facebook director of monetization, you know, and, uh, and I, I just copied the Google model. What did I know? You know, but now I'm trying to do good. Here's an app that you can download to help you control your phone addiction. <laughs> Um, Dude, that's so fucking interesting. Yeah, man. Yeah. So that entire documentary, man, is just filled with fucking people trying to sell you more bullshit. And I think that there's a definite issue with like um, the incentive structure on, you know, pushing news and everything and reducing it down to like sound bites and just being able to sort of like browse news. But, but none of it's different to sitting in front of a TV for like six hours a night, you know, which is um, prior to phones being around was what people literally did you know all the time mm. um so i sent you a site and i was like bro hayden you gotta check this out man socialcooling.com um and it was again it was sort of under the assumption of the panopticon uh and i was like wow you know it's another um 
really insightful piece on like how data is the new oil and they're selling your data and they're manipulating you on like these micro levels that you could never be aware of otherwise and we're all being kind of fucked with by big tech. So these fucking assholes, it turns out, are running a consulting company, man. <laughs> and like they're running an entire company that's trying to like so they have their whole uh, shtick, which is like, you know, big tech's really bad for you. And then they also have this fucking company that is like trying to show you how you can like, you know, get around algorithms and make your posts go more viral. Um, so the entire thing is just filled with bad actors. Uh, wow, man. That's, yeah. that is really sinister. <laughs> so like while I was watching The Social Dilemma, I I found it, interesting because i was already predisposed to the idea of you know social media being a potentially harmful phenomenon and i understood that it you know uh the preponderance of social media and people's addictions to it caused polarization and i understand the idea of like ideological internet-based echo bubbles that then mm. turn into echo bubbles in your real physical life um or sorry echo chamber i should be saying um mm. but I was watching it with through the lens of your sort of like Netflix might be a new age propaganda machine kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so like I always need to take that shit with a grain of salt. But I, yeah, man, I had no, um, and it just shows how fucking effective it can be, dude. I had no suspicion that something that nefarious might be at play. But I had had the thought that um, it's interesting that polarization although it's not hard to point to the multitude of negative side effects of mass polarization mm. but it's interesting that if polarization leads to a questioning of the status quo whether or not you're on the left or right that like uh mainstream corporate interests a la netflix and their friends would be publishing material forcing people to question whether or not they should be being polarized yeah because like i think for the most part polarization to the left or right involves a questioning of like neoliberal logic right mm. i mean depending on who you talk to but i think as a general rule you can kind of you can assume that and like that's really fascinating even though the left and right are pitched against each other like capitalists are in the middle probably losing out yeah well so, some of them are right but um at the same time i just I don't know. I can't help but feel the uh, shadow of large institutional characters watching this and, you know, just be fucking... It just didn't feel right, man. Now, I was pretty blazed, but I don't think that had an impact on the way that I interpreted this. So It sounds like you... It sounds like it aided your interpretation of this, dude. It sounds like you were able to... So, no, I'm not fucking Let joking. me tell you all about Big Hillary, uh, right? See, so, so this is what I fucking hate about marijuana culture, right? Like we talked about in a previous episode. Because yeah. of so many idiots fucking making extrapolations and exaggerations about how great marijuana culture is for reasons X, Y, and Z. Like, you can't just say something like what I said without yeah. sounding like one of them. But yeah, exactly. it yeah. does, though, sound like the fact that you were high while watching that documentary allowed you to watch it more critically. So, yeah. shout out well, to I... you. I'm fucking hugely critical of anything Netflix puts out in general, just because I don't trust um, the amount. They, the Fire Festival thing was really suspicious. Like, 
Um, and when they put that out and it was discovered that, you know, fuck Jerry was effectively using them to get off the hook. That was sus. The like fact that they have those dodgy like Hillary docos or just, you know, like Hillary off cam and she's acting so like down to earth. <laughs> it's just like, no, dude, no, you're lying. You're fucking liars and you're pumping out the shitty content. And it's like Reed Hastings is a dickhead. Like, you know, the entirety of like the Netflix board come across as these like we're making change and making the world a better place. It's like, bro, you're blockbuster on demand. Like, get fucked. You yeah, know? there's nothing great about it. Yeah, like, nobody here is that much better off. You know. Yeah, obviously, outside of a product standpoint. Yeah, okay, we can all consume, you know, fucking 1080p um, B-tier content. Yeah. Did you time. did you ever watch the docuseries The Staircase? Mm-mm. That was a really, really compelling, like... Um, crime documentary um about basically what appeared to be a really ambiguous murder case and um Mm. it it followed um the alleged perpetrator this man whose name i can't remember but sort of you know an old man around 50 to 60 and his family as he fought this case which seemed to have sort of like a lot of twists and turns and potential injustices embedded into it and whatnot and like i watched all 18 episodes of this or something and francisca and i were both like really compelled by it we found it so fascinating and engaging and conflicting just to find out that the main character whose potential miscarriage of justice was being investigated was sleeping with the producer Ah, (laughs) it's kind of just like yeah i mean and that's like just an example of what you're talking about but on a far smaller scale yeah, well, um, which is the production value of Social Dilemma is pretty shithouse. It's though. fucking I awful. Mean, it's upsetting, yeah. dude. Um, the guy who like, played... did you buy into that family narrative and the fucking the three dudes who were trying to manipulate? The it was guy? woeful. It was absolutely this woeful. So cringe. Eh? And like that guy oh, who like... was meant to uh, represent like AI nodes or whatever was the yeah. same actor that played Peter on Mad Men, which is like one of my favorite shows ever. And his yeah. performance in Mad Men for like seven seasons is just like so fucking great. And it's so sad to see him just like having to do this shit for a bit of money. <laughs> oh, but well. yeah. Big Hillary calls, you got to pick up. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> yeah. get out of my head that Big Hillary was funding it. I was just thinking, fuck, I was trying to like desperately find any information I could to link it back to her foundation, but no dice. So yeah. You know, I endeavor. Because <laughs> uh, that'd just be so funny, man, to think that she's so butthurt about, like, 2016 that she's just going to do anything she can to fucking, um, you know, be like, See? It was the Russians! I was going to get in! But it was that tricky social media. <laughs> she's not involved. I want her to be involved, but she's yeah. not involved. <laughs> um, I mean, just, like, in a similar way that political lobbying works, though, you could make the case that she is involved indirectly because of her foundation um, partly funds the production of other Netflix productions, then Mm. you could um, make the case that they would be more susceptible to producing other content favorable to her causes to increase the likelihood of her continued funding Um, or the opposite of that. So, yeah, I think this like Netflix angle that you're on at the moment is really interesting, man. Like, and I, I feel yeah. like I'm really glad that you're, you're bringing it up and because I feel like a 
bit of a fucking rube, to be honest. Because, like, as you know, I'm someone who is, like, very, very, very sceptical of media in general. Mm. And, like, you know, it's, um, its capacity for sort of, like, perpetuating, like, power and ideology and all that. Absolutely, and yeah. I, I hadn't extended the same level of scrutiny to Netflix, and I don't know why. I just hadn't. Yeah, well, neither. Like, that social cooling site I sent you effectively makes a very good case for how, you know, people are using um, existing data that uh, to, to pit the world against you, you know, or to prop you up, depending on how you're seen and how you comment and act online. Mm. Now, I do believe that, but not in the way that they're doing it. And I also don't think that they're honest actors because like, you know, that fucking doco and the social cooling site, both of those people have direct financial incentives to push you towards their own consulting services. And it's like fucking shady, you know, it's like, uh, it's not a bunch of reformed tech bros and tech, uh, you know, equivalent female, um, term. It's a bunch of shysters trying to grift you to their fucking shitty apps. Like, yeah, we all know your phones are bad. Put your fucking phone down. Um, you don't need an app for that. You know what I mean? It's like, I like to grayscale my phone personally. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but the fact yeah. of the matter is, like, I think a lot of these people are shitheads and um, as damaging with their, you know, their narratives that they're pushing out. Like the whole thing about people being um, hyper radicalized by online media tends to jump straight to people uh to articles about joe rogan and how joe rogan's been this force for you know entry-level radicalization and then they jump to jordan peterson and then they say well the pathway is like you know you get targeted with ads you find joe rogan then you find jordan peterson and all of a sudden you're down there with the proud boys you know on the next all gas no breaks and it's like yeah that's... All, all the while overlooking the reasons like that are built into mainstream society that might question that might lead someone to question it in the first place yeah exactly yeah. Like, <laughs> what they're ultimately i may not have done a great example uh sort of job of like actually explaining um the issue here but like all the people who are rallying against this stuff in the social dilemma and social cooling and everything um and you know and whatever else um, is out there critiquing social media tend to jump on the radicalization narrative and use it as a way to um, describe how like people aren't you know participating in our uh, our media anymore and it ends up being weird like I read this article written by some woman talking about Joe Rogan as the new you know like fascist or whatever like oh, weird, like fascism uh, light or some shit yeah and the whole article essentially ended up being like a fucking big piece of cope on how people don't read her shitty fucking narratives anymore there's another one put out um ages ago that was like the dangerous rise of men not reading or uh, not listening to woke woman and the whole piece was essentially Whoa. written by this fucking loser who um was just bitter that traditional media is dying and people aren't reading it anymore and people are questioning authority so it's like yeah I, I agree we should be critiquing social media but the people that are doing it are seem weirdly aggressive against the fact that people are questioning authority and not critiquing the fact at all that um you know the the real issues with these platforms is more like the incentive structure that has changed for news uh you know 
Mm. And the fact that to make money now, they have to fucking get clicks. Um, and yeah, that's shit. it. I was just thinking a lot of people who critique social media or have these sort of like mass, uh, what, what am I going to say? Like mass critical identities are often salty as fuck about something. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. And they they use these like campaigns or like new identities that they forge for themselves to just like purge their negative emotion about like past experiences. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And like, I mean, their own failures as people. Yeah, you yeah, know? exactly. I, and yeah. then like that's why they they get so fucked off when you question their critique and <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's, it becomes like a um, you know, well, you're either with us or against us thing yeah. it's like well is that the case though um and, yeah and like the thing is i will never fucking trust these like uh liberal dickheads that think they know better than everyone else you know and talk it, about yeah. like oh you just don't get it it's because of our algorithms uh the algorithms that we did that we made you know like, they're really <laughs> complex you wouldn't understand it yeah it's ai it's just like AI. gassing themselves up, you know, like, yeah, yeah, we like, actually did some pretty fucking hectic work, man, to be honest. Like, yeah, man, it's really cool that you know that word, but like, you know, it's just, I don't even think they know what they're talking about, man. Like one of the fuckwits who came on, uh, the crazy woman with weird hair and she's like, you know, the older white woman and she started talking about like, all right, so AI and everything like that is really what's starting to, you know, mess with your head. And it's, it's just, it's a neuropsychological, uh, Freudian, um, you know, psychosexual. And it's just like, what? You're not fucking saying anything. Yeah, it's like, like, what's psh- fucking messing with your head, woman? Like, yeah, who yeah, yeah. fucked you yeah, up as a child to drive you to this point where you have to pursue these, like, hyper-abstract academic sort of, like, pathways and rabbit holes and then yeah. uh, explain them to people in this, like, super demeaning way? Yeah. And I, I think, like, most people, man, are pretty fucking onto it. I, that's not a popular opinion, um, but I believe it. Because I know people, I feel, that, you know, aren't liberal dickheads. And most of the people I know are very skeptical of social media and very skeptical of, like, and rightfully very skeptical of what they're being told. Back at the start of coronavirus, we were told that masks uh, endanger you. And a lot of people didn't believe that. And a lot of people didn't believe that, you know, the message that WHO had was, um, you know, the World Health Organization wasn't necessarily in the people and the general population's best interest. And that fucking entirely came out to be correct. Yeah. And then you release a documentary, you know, going on about how no one's trustful of fucking institutions anymore. (laughs) Like, oh, how could that happen? It must be algorithms messing with your mind. You're being brainwashed. You don't get it. You can't think because you're too fucking dumb. You know, (laughs) I know. I make algorithms. It's like... (laughs) Algorithm, my fucking dick, man. Like, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the Panopticon uh, <laughs> is a really <laughs> yeah. fucking interesting idea. And I it think is, it has right? total validity. Um, so social dilemma, that was the research that I was trying to do and I ended up discovering all this bullshit. But I was actually, in light of that, keen to bring up something that I've already talked about that was, I think, in a lost episode. Um, I know that my segment's like well over... Uh, <laughs> If not that it's ever just go in hand and time fucking don't worry <laughs> we don't time shit yeah there's a conspiracy going on at modern guilt um, <laughs> i'm oppressing your dialogue <laughs> um 
So I came up, uh, I wanted to talk to you on a lost episode, I think, about this documentary that came out called We Live in Public. Um, Do you remember that? No. Cool. It's been so long that I can just bring it up again. It's like fresh material. Yeah, fucking great, please. (laughs) (laughs) So We Live in Public was about an internet entrepreneur um, whose name eludes me, but I'm going to bring it up right now because this is such an important documentary and it's definitely um, worth watching. It's fantastic it's just as a tale uh josh harris as a tale it's just one of those ones you think oh fucking yes i oh i just googled it myself and i um yeah so this was good shit Um, the panopticon exists yeah it's really good shit um it definitely exists it's just not what these fuckwits on netflix are telling you um i think anyway you you can make up your own own mind i don't want to i fucking will yeah thank you (laughs) um so josh harris was a internet entrepreneur um he created this crazy fucking like uh internet company called i'm just gonna bring it up because i don't have the name on hand um okay i can't find it but basically he oh shudo yeah it was called shudo.com and the whole thing was like live audio and webcasting it was essentially like youtube um, way back in the like early 2000s and he had this dramatic rise to success where he went from you know running some sort of like random marketing company to this the next big broadcasting um, movement where anyone can be a star and anything but Josh Harris was also kind of crazy and he went off the rails and essentially got kicked out of his own company because they were like you're fucking nuts um, you know he started like going to meetings with the board of directors in like a clown costume um, <laughs> and like calling himself i think it was like pinky the clown or um someone something or other the clown uh oh lovey yeah it was lovey the clown and he'd go to the board of directors and like to investor meetings and be like my name is lovey lovey the clown um and there's footage of him doing it and it's like whoa it's so fucking cringe like just next level <clears throat> so they were like all right you're out of here Um, the guy walks out with like $80 million or something like that. And because he's insane and kind of fucking awesome, um, it's like, okay, the internet's going to turn everyone into a narcissist and we're all going to be watching yourself, uh, watching each other 24 seven. And it's basically people are going to want to be watched 24 seven as well. Right. And that was his sort of thesis. And he like decided to rent out an underground bunker in New York and film everyone 24 7 and you could do whatever you want um the only thing you know it was all you could stay there for like a month free but the only thing is that we're gonna film you and we keep the footage and we get to do whatever we want with it so basically every like you know tons of people signed up they're like fuck yeah free food free drugs free booze you have to live in an underground bunker it's just gonna be like one long fucking party um which it totally ended up being um, but it devolved really, really heavily. Um, you know, so people started going crazy. They started doing more obscene shit to get on, like, to get, like, on fucking screen more and more and to get sort of more people viewing and everything. So it started out, like, you know, people were doing kind of, like, a little bit of, like, racy stuff here and there. Like, oh, here's my tits or, you know, something like that. And by the end of it, they were just, like, fucking in the shower and, like, shooting. They had, like, a whole rifle range set up and people were just getting fucking totally wasted all the time. And then the cops ended up coming in and shutting it down and being like, yep, no, this is, this is like too much. So oh, man, I'm loving his, hearing this the second time. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, um, after that, Josh Harris was like, okay, 
um, that was pretty much in line with what I thought was going to happen. Uh, you know, everyone turning into like a narcissist and also having like mental breakdowns because I couldn't handle the pressure of like the expectations that, you know, you're going to be crazier and crazier and crazier. I'm going to start with a little interlude here, not an interlude, but just to interrupt myself. Um, there's a fucking YouTuber exactly like this called, I think his name's Nico or something. Um, right. I actually don't know much and I haven't really seen his channel, but other than hearing about the fact that he's basically been the slow decline from being kind of like a reasonably healthy, normal dude to just being this disgusting fucking like shit show of like having to be grosser and grosser to get his, you know, video count up. I'm sure that's happened multiple times as well. But, um, after this, Josh Harris went and lived with his girlfriend and like live streamed their entire relationship. And they ended up, uh, you know, fighting with each other and then immediately jumping onto chat rooms to see how the audience had reacted and, you know, who won and then using fodder from the chat room to go back and fucking fight with each other even more, you know? Um, and that to me is like Josh Harris, you know, if anyone wants to hear the rest of the story, watch the documentary, but he, he essentially kind of like broke up with his girlfriend, went insane, and now is living, like, um, in obscurity in Las Vegas somewhere in a trailer. Um, maybe if they open the borders, we try and go find him. But... So there is <laughs> there's this video from uh, 2016 uploaded by Startup Fest titled yeah. Impending Singularity, um, which is like a, a conference uh, presentation by Josh Harris, by the way which um, might be interesting to watch. So we can link that in the show notes as well. Um, so, yeah. But I, I love everything about that story. Like, yeah. I remember, I think you actually told me this on like the second ever episode we attempted um, back when we were just drunk every time we did it um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and failed every time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's fucking, it's yeah. sick. Well, I feel like to some degree um, that actually has come to pass to some somewhat, you know, like uh, it really is unhealthy the way some people act, you know, on using these large platforms and everything. But whether or not that's like a conspiracy within the platform, probably not. I think that you give people 15 minutes of fame, like Andy Warhol suspected, and they're going to run with it, you know, and it's just yeah, easy yeah. For them to do that now, um, platform or not, that's going to happen. It's more of like a human issue than anything else. You know, people have been like, we literally have the fucking myth of narcissists from like 2000 plus years ago. You know what I mean? It's a human problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get yeah. you. Um, I'm just, I'm having like a bit of a, a hectic thought right now um, in relation to some notes that I took down while I was reading about like um, panopticon related content. Yeah. Um, and I just want to quickly read over these because cool. I'm not going to read them out. I just want to like take a moment to read them because I'm having like a thought that might be interesting. Um, yeah. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. There's just one quote that I thought was interesting. I was reading about um, like Michel Foucault, like the French sort of philosopher slash researcher, um, like used to sort of like talk a lot about the panopticon and how it can be used as like a really interesting metaphor to sort of like explain power relations. And 
he quote Bentham laid down the principle that power should be visible and unverifiable um and I think what like this is interesting in relation to what you're talking about because it's like this system exists now in terms of like a digital panopticon where like all of our computers observe us the same way that the watchtower or the guard room does um but it's almost like decentralized and not in control of any one person or group of people right because like it's uh, a network i suppose and the power that that network holds is the power to like shape our behavior and i guess it can be used to spread certain ideas and make us susceptible to certain information but it is also unverifiable because even though we obviously know when our webcam's on and we're being watched and we know that when we're searching something that information is going somewhere like we can never know how it's going to be used against us um i've lost my fucking point here uh, <laughs> no i think i'm starting to get where you're where you're going with that eh? like the mm. trial by twitter and trial by um social media is a terrifying concept and that's mm. kind of like you know every I, I don't know if that was where you're going with your point but like that to me is kind of like the horror of the panopticon um in modern life is the fact that you could have a slip up one day and then all of a sudden a mob's at your door you know like we've seen karens the fucking crackdown on karens in the mm. states you know and it's like these people who are filmed by fucking rabid you know mob justice seeking fuckwits who suddenly because they feel wronged want to like burn someone's life to the ground not saying that you know hey like flipping off someone or you know or whatever it's worse than that i think sometimes you know there's like a racial component to it or someone's you know being a like screaming there, there, fuck there was actually just an example of this day on the christchurch subreddit um this guy had filmed this uh older white woman screaming about you know chinese people on the bus right right and he posted it to the subreddit and said you know my friend uh, it was something like i guess you know christchurch is new zealand's racist city which is like yeah probably but maybe in Vancouver it's worse <laughs> you know <laughs> um you know and it's this white woman screaming at this chinese guy saying like we don't want chinese people in christchurch jesus um, fuck yeah, it's pretty bad. But like, <clears throat> if you look in the comments, there's someone there posting like, hey, this is actually like a paranoid schizophrenic woman and she's in the middle of an episode and we, we treat her. Um, posting this video is not going to help at all. It's just going to bring more, mm. you know, like you're not solving racism by posting this shit. And when I see stuff like that, man, I think that's terrifying that these fucking people can just, you know, take a video of someone. Um having an episode of some kind and post it and all of a sudden you can be viral to the scrutiny of like every fucking person on that platform that is like to me the fucking issue more so than you know whether mark zuckerberg is like seeing you know what i've clicked on lately i've never bought anything off facebook man not once i've never bought anything from google you know i've never clicked on an ad and fucking i i think a lot of this is pretty overblown when they talk about that but people taking videos and trying to get mob justice and everything and like you know being like i'm gonna get you fired 
um, or yeah, yeah. companies like trolling data on what you fucking looked at uh, online and everything to decide whether to hire you. That's fucking real. That's the real scary shit right there. Mm. Um, yeah, that is fucking scary. There's there's a, another interesting quote that I've just written down here that I've just <laughs> read over a couple of times, um, which I think speaks to that sort of tendency to play like gotcha on social media and um, I guess to an extent virtue signaling. Um, and again, like this is from Michelle Foucault. So like it's pretty like flowery and it's abstract language, but I think it still makes sense. Um, he who is subjected to a field of visibility and who knows it assumes responsibility for the constraints of power. He makes them play spontaneously upon himself. He inscribes in him, in himself the power relation in which he simultaneously plays both roles. He becomes the principle of his own subjection. So it's like if you're subjected to the field of visibility and you know it, you know that whenever you post something on social media, obviously like it's being put out there for like global consumption and whatever. Um, but like you're you're willingly having the sort of like power of this network or panopticon um acted upon yourself because you know that you are being watched and you can like use that for good or bad sort of thing so it's like mm. these people who are walking around the street in christchurch looking for a racist to film like <laughs> um, because they're being watched are almost led to or forced to reinforce the power of this panopticon in terms of shaping people's behavior yeah um but all of this is like really relevant to what I was going to talk about as well, um, which was like you brought up the term first, like the idea of the digital panopticon. Um, and Jesus, it's so fucking hot in this room, dude. Oh, bro, I'm dying there. That's why I'm, I'm forcing it today. Chee-hoo! <laughs> Christ, I'm going to need to figure out somewhere with AC to be recording for the summer. <laughs> it's like this is the first time I've been recording the pod and just been like, fuck me. Yeah. Yeah, these people, well, I, I kind of get where you're going with that, right? Like, people are hunting down, like, outrage, which is just further enforcing the ability of, the, you know, of the power of, like, this is a form of justice, you know? It's like mm. they can't seek justice for being called some racial slur on the street to the cops or whatever. So they seek justice on, on fucking Reddit or Twitter. The worst one I saw, man, was this guy who was a total fuckwit, like... And he had, uh, he just was, you could just tell, man, he had followed this, like, uh, woman that he claims had, um, you know, uh, used some racial slur against him all the way to her house, filmed the entire fucking thing and got out of the car and was like, this woman called me a fucking minute. And it was like, this is where she lives. This is her license plate. This is it. And it was just like, what? And Dark then fuck out of her yeah he docks the fuck out of her and then released a t-shirt line um because he's that level of fuck with being like what a like, karen are you okay um and oh man, my God. the thing that scares the shit out of me is nothing was taken down twitter didn't take down the tweet as far as i know it's probably still up um you know and it was it's just like it got so much fucking attention and everyone sort of jumped on it and was like yeah fuck karen blah 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 um you know and whether she did or not fucking you know say whatever um dude you're inciting like horrible violence like someone's gonna get lynched at some point you know like it's not fucking around um 
And yeah. It, yeah, it's just and, it's mind blowing to me that that sort of behavior is considered okay. Didn't see that in the social dilemma, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's so true. Um, yeah, we had another case of it here with uh, back in the day, this group called the Roastbusters, um, which was a, you know, there's been a few different pages like this, like Sluts of Christchurch or Sluts of Auckland. Right. And it yeah. was used as like a fucking revenge site by like, you know, angry, bitter fuckwits to seek revenge against women that didn't fuck them or something like that. Jesus. Or like just guys that wanted to, you know, trash um, the woman that they'd slept with. And the Roastbusters were. I don't know if they were posting videos, but they were effectively, like, doxing girls um, that they had, like, you know, kind of gang-raped a little. Like, it sounded like some of it was gang-raped. And that was another one where it's, like, you know, a horrible use of social media um, to just fuck with people beyond anything. You know, it's just, like, that is terrifying. People can do that. And it's permanent as well. Like, you know... This stuff has always existed, like back when I was at school, and I'm sure back when you were at school, there was like people running around being like, oh, fucking Katie's such a slut. You know, look, look, here's her tits, Um, Or whatever. Like that sort of thing was around, but it wasn't like a Facebook page that mom and dad, your boss, and every single person could access. Yeah, exactly right. You know, yeah. Um, It didn't exist for like all eternity it was horrible just in the fact that you know people are always probably have been doing this um but it's just so much worse now yeah well it's really interesting when you think about the idea that this sort of panopticon was initially like a utilitarian idea because like over in china as you alluded to before they obviously are like the epitome of a surveillance state. Um, And I'll go into a little bit more detail of exactly how they do that. But the majority of the population are actually like sort of lukewarm to the idea of the surveillance state. Um, And they actually think that it probably does more good than harm. Um, And it kind of goes to show like, you were saying that like most people are pretty switched on, right? And I think like, I can't remember where I first heard this saying, right? But I heard like most people do the right thing most of the time. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sort of in favor of that idea. Like I think that like ultimately humans aren't fucking shit. Like if, if the sort of surveillance state is centralized and controlled, which in the United States, I mean, which in China, it clearly is. um, You actually can still, out people for like violations of legitimate social justice or law and order while the system still curbs the behavior of people who want to dox each other so like um if there is like a social credit system in place like that guy you were talking about who like literally stalked this woman back to her house and revealed her personal information and shit like has to face the repercussions of that whereas like under the same system, if you're in McDonald's and some guy walks over to the like person of color in the line behind you and just like racially abuses and assaults them and you post that online, then like both um, both instances are like reconciled to an extent, I think. And I think like the Chinese people are not fucking idiots and they they like understand this and that's why they're like somewhat in support of it. Oh um, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I don't I don't know and I really want to know. But does the same state 
bleh, does the same shit happen in China? Like, do you get fucking, you know, narcissistic, attention-seeking fuckwits um, trying to purposely find outrage in order to perpetuate their own ends, you know? Well, I'm sure you, I'm sure you would to an extent. Or would the government just be like, no, we're not having any of that in this country. Shut yeah, up. well, um... <laughs> Take that. <video. laughs> you know? Like, I'm, I'm sure because you know narcissism is probably just like a natural like human trait in some people then sure you would have people doing that in one form or another but i also think that um and i'm also aware that i'm not saying this from the perspective of someone who is a fucking expert on chinese culture but china has a really like collectivist and sort of like conformist culture and a tradition and a history of that um and i think they're quite quite proud of that so like the chinese people understand that they're under the influence of the state and that they do sort of surrender some of their freedoms in in agreeing to these kind of systems Mm. but um yeah like if you you can make the case that it's not entirely sort of evil like the west seems to think um obviously like when you consider the treatment of yuga or uyghur people political dissidents and all of that then yeah it's fucking terrible but um some sort of like moderate version of it i think would not be the worst thing in the world yeah well i would prefer that to um this disgusting like you know the mob justice man that's yeah. way worse. It's so bad. Because on the one hand, um, you know, like the CCP and uh, the other people in charge are not crazy fucking narcissistic assholes. But on Twitter, um, the people that, you know, are really generating a lot of like the fucking content are on the fringes. It's like we've we've gone from, you know, the normally back in like early 2000s and 90s, the people generating the content were like, uh, you know, news anchors and um jay leno and you know like like it was very controlled and Mm. viral shit didn't happen very often if at all oh it definitely did but like you know not to the same degree whereas nowadays it's like catch me outside girl yeah nowadays virality is the media (laughs) yeah exactly and like these are not good personalities um they are perpetuating like uh the the fucking horrible justice system justice via twitter Ugh. Mm. Ugh. so disgusting that's way yeah. worse that is the horrifying dystopian um panopticon that i think is actually emerging you know as anyone can sort of be taken down via video uh in the wrong situation at the wrong time yeah so that's like that idea it's like this is quite a good illustration of the sort of idea that i was talking about earlier whereas like we've created this sort of decentralized network that is a panopticon so like while um, if you consider all of us as prisoners in our individual cells, um, nah, what am I thinking? I don't know. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're onto that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm honestly fucking fried, man. I don't. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> probably worth mentioning as well that we have a little. Um, collab with uh michael hudson's independent radio show at eight coming up um yeah we're gonna be we'll talk about it after we finish recording um (laughs) (laughs) um so michael runs a show called at eight on four triple z digital um so we are going to be taking over his show for an episode programming an hour of content which will be um 50 music and 50 percent hot takes um <laughs> built around the theme music you can die to uh, 
and we're both gonna curate a small playlist of music that we think for one way or another would be good to die to and we'll be talking about it and whatever else continues on from that uh, which i think will be dropping later in october so stay tuned we'll obviously share that also noticed yesterday i think maybe this morning that um we're running with like a perfect four from four five star uh review on apple podcasts so if you want to support us go to apple Podcasts, review give us five stars tell the world that you fucking love our shit share it all that follow us on instagram at modern guilt pod email us modern guilt pod at gmail.com um damon any last words remarks um no i don't think so uh check out the social dilemma let us know what your thoughts were did you think it was a conspiracy yeah true maybe also we should um encourage people to uh dm us with links to any media content that they think is propaganda yeah and we can do like a continual like a propaganda weekly yeah is it big hillary question mark (laughs) 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 or is it putin yeah 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 who's behind it all um that would be really cool send us your opinions i mainly just want to encourage that because if you think the social dilemma was uh legitimate and every part of it was fantastic i would love to be proven wrong you know you won't be maybe that whole family really did get along really well together and you know i'm sure they maybe maybe i'm the one that's too skeptical nah man yours is the take to beat like yeah. Right now, you are in the middle of the WWE Royal Rumble, throwing opponents out of the ring in terms of your <laughs> your Netflix and social dilemma takes. Yeah. Um, I just like... don't trust them, man. I fucking don't like Net- I don't like anyone that is claiming that they are the moral saviors of um, a generation. And yeah. the moment that that comes along, like if anyone claims that, they need to be scrutinized to their own standard. Right. And. Up. Uh, maybe a, a funny, good closing antidote, uh, an- antidote, 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 or both. Uh, panopticon, uh, which is so fun to say that we live in, is Princeton University um, recently tried to virtue signal that they are, uh, you know, that we live in a heinous, systemically racist society, and even Princeton University is guilty of it um you know and they were totally just trying to capitalize on yeah that's so infuriating dude like large companies and institutions coming out and admitting that they're flawed like yeah no shit we don't need you to fucking say it we all know it yeah but like the problem is is that they say it in a way that's just trying to fucking further their own ends like yeah it's just a a fucking pr stunt man yeah so the department of education in the states is talking about defunding them and like investigating them for like being systemic Fuck yeah. at which point that the fucking president who originally made the statement tried to backtrack on it um that's and so great blame trump so if that doesn't tell you like where these people's fucking heads are at you know then you know i, I don't know what will but yeah you can't <sighs> trust them you know yeah that's so good i love that big oil and uh and good old trustworthy companies like <laughs> and tesla and, and regeneron tesla. <laughs> yeah, regeneron go pop yeah. that stock up we're riding our regeneron stocks to mars and we'll see you later we should, we should have a fucking pump and dump section where we announce our stock pick of the week uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
try and get our our hundred strong uh, fucking listenership is it, to is that legal cashing. Uh, no, not really. No. Oh, I mean, I mean if we just tell people what we're doing, then it's fine, right? But we just can't tell yeah. people what to put their money into. Um, no, I'm sure you can. Uh, Kramer does. Like fucking what's his name? Kramer of um, Mad Money. Um, As in like Seinfeld. Oh. What? No, no, like not that guy. He he's like uh he is he ruined his career. He got up and Did he get his um, dick out somewhere? No, nah, he just like jumped on stage and started screaming the N word as loud as possible. Um Fucking hell. So just like, you know, uh that was kind of the end of Kramer after that. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> uh Jim Kramer is the host of Mad Money where he like screams at the camera about what stocks you should buy it's like fucking highly entertaining that's so um, good i personally only think you can trust news organizations that are trying to further themselves financially publicly and that's like their own end like the wall street journal and reuters are just like we're financial news and it ends up being really unbiased you know um maybe a little bit biased but whatever i'm sure it is definitely yeah. with its with its own beautiful biases and scars but yeah. we're all beautifully flawed exactly you can trust openly bad actors who are openly bad because you know exactly where they stand right yeah like modern guilt like modern guilt that's it yeah not trying to all right you signal anyway that's a long let's way. wrap it up cool <laughs> Sweet fuck i can't it. wait to leave this hot as fuck room man <laughs> uh, all right I am right. gonna hit stop. See you later. Thanks for listening.